Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of Bubbly in Baseball. I am Bailey Von Schneider. If you're listening to this, some of you might know me from Twitter. Some of you totally might not, and that's totally fine because I'm not a big presence on Twitter, but you never know. Um, and I have with me, as always, my co-host, Ed Hand. Hello. Uh, I'm Ed Hand. That is my real name. Uh, I was born three years before Edward Scissorhands came out. Um <laughs> And, you know, uh, I just want to start things off by saying, oh, my God, my dog is just really, oh, hello. She's really on my lap now. <laughs> and she's nibbling on she my She really fingers. wants to join us. She really does. Penny is, uh, <laughs> she's half, half corgi, half chihuahua, oh all um, attention. That's, a, that's so a beautiful mix. <laughs> she really is. She really is. But. Yeah, Uh-oh. I'm gonna start things by saying, uh, "Fuck you, Tim Burton," by uh, for my coming life. out with that movie uh, three years after I was born. And uh, but you know, um, you probably know me if you do know me at all from either Twitter or if you follow Sox prospects. I do the uh, social media for them. Uh, they're a scouting site for the Red Sox. Have I think like fifteen thousand followers or something like that that's um, such a cool site so, too yeah we're very much in the red Sox uh fandom but uh that's also not we're hoping not to, to to kind of expand out of that a little bit because there's a lot more to baseball than just the uh the boston red Sox. yeah and i think that's what we really wanted to do with this podcast was we're, we're both red Sox fans we'll tell you a little bit about how we got into the fandom a bit but we really wanted to sort of do Major League Baseball as a whole because we do, we are also on the Pesky Report. And as much as we love uh, doing that and being in, you know, Red Sox Nation with it, we were, really wanted to sort of explore Major League Baseball, especially this season upcoming, because there's like a lot that's going on, especially in the offseason. Yeah, it's a pretty big, uh, it's a pretty big year as far as uh, I, can, I can remember in a long time. Um, I think 2021, in a lot of ways, was my favorite baseball season since I was a kid also. So I think that just for my own enthusiasm, uh, I, I don't know if I would have had the, uh, I, I don't think I would have been as interested in doing an off-season podcast uh, were it not such a fun season. But like, uh, regardless of whether you're a Red Sox fan, a Braves fan, an Astros fan, there was, there was something for everyone this year, which is why the potential of the strike is just, just really bad timing. <laughs> Yes, yes. So I think to a potential strike, we should have some alcohol because that's the other half of our of our podcast here is drinking some good sparkling rosés and other other alcoholic beverages. That's how yeah, we'll, we'll I, bubble. <laughs> we had, a, however, we had a plan to have the same uh, the same alcohol, but uh, Bailey is on. The West Coast in California, and I am uh, just outside of uh, inexplicably Puritan Boston, uh, uh, yes. where not every Trader Joe's sells the same alcohol. Uh, so I uh, just found a small bottle of, uh, I believe, Champagne mm-hmm. around the house that I <laughs> suspect is my girlfriend's, but I'm not actually positive. I just kind of found it. So that's just kind what, of uh, back of the fridge. I'm no. Saying. 
And that's a metaphor because we're not 100% sure what we're going to be doing with this uh, with this podcast. But I suspect as the weeks continue, it'll become a little bit more clear. Perhaps there will be a label on it. Perhaps uh, there will be a date so we know that maybe this wasn't from 2011. Can champagne go bad? I don't know. I'm going to find out. Yeah, it all it all comes down to the taste. Maybe it's been in the back of your fridge for a decade, but hey. If it tastes good and it does its job, that's that's what the bubblies are supposed to be doing for you. Um, but yeah, this week we were trying to. Um, this was actually one of my favorites, and I this is on me completely forgetting that Ed would not have the beverage choices at a Massachusetts Trader Joe's. We've gone a long time from here, I guess. <laughs> you forget about our uh, our our origins and our roots on the Mayflower, and that drinking is not a part of Massachusetts, even though it clearly is. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I always forget because in, you know, that, like, package stores are, like, a thing in Massachusetts. Like, you actually have to go to, like, for the most part, liquor stores. It's gotten better as, like, the years have progressed. But here, you can go to a Rite Aid in California. That's where I get my hard alcohol because it's the cheapest there. Trader Joe's literally has some of the better champagne options. Like, this um, this Cecilia B. Vino Spamante Rosé, which is actually, like, it's a rosé from Italy, which is really cool. But it was only, like, $8, and it's actually, like, I'm not even kidding. It's, like, good. <laughs> I mean, that's me with Moscato, honestly, like mm-hmm. the uh, like the like the barefoot Moscato or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's literally just like alcoholic sugar water, but I could drink that all day and then just have the worst hangover the next day. But, oh, yeah. You know, and it's also that's early the price you pay. And we're also recording early because I'm a dumbass and was like, oh, yeah, I could do 11 a.m. your time, Ed. Completely forgetting that Ed is the one that's like three hours ahead. <laughs> I'm on. Yeah, I'm on. And we just uh, daylight savings just started today so oh this is God. like a three it's 11 for me it's perfect a perfectly reasonable time to be drinking for me uh bailey's at like was it 8 a.m there yeah cheers uh, it's not yeah. even brunch time yet <laughs> nope nope but this We're is like it. your pre-brunch warm-up and i haven't even really been drinking lately too because i'm trying to like get more in shape and i was like beer and champagne and all these things are kind of productive to getting in shape so i also haven't <laughs> consumed alcohol in like two weeks so we'll see how this podcast goes. yeah let's see if we uh let's see how where the sobriety level because i don't uh this is going to be the most i'm consistently drinking in a while i don't uh i you know it's not like a personal it's not like an issue i have with drinking it's just that i don't think my body really pro- uh, processes alcohol the way it used to so mm-hmm. rather than happy in that fun oh i'm a bit a little buzzed or i'm a little drunk now i just go straight to hangover so oh god yeah it's yeah. a little yeah. like I, i'm gonna pr- probably be a little more miserable by the end of it if you're a little more uh more buzzed so we'll, oh my god we'll see i'm how sorry that goes. i'm putting i'm putting ed <laughs> through this i wanted to have like a fun theme especially if you're doing it on sunday like brunch makes sense oh Not, i'm fine um, with that don't do it at 8 a.m people but <laughs> <laughs> no i'm fine with it that's the thing i like the way it tastes so that's like the that's the key here but uh True. you know uh the point here is more so the baseball than the alcohol yes uh, just a little and- fun thing to get us enjoying it something that's kind of fascinating about baseball twitter to me and i don't know Mm -hmm. how much i assume if you're listening to this you're you found out that of the existence of it through uh through baseball twitter and our our advertising um but something that's always interesting to me is that you have all of these different people from all over the world who are kind of following the same thing and they're obviously baseball is the thing that is 
is the equalizer. It's mm-hmm. the thing that everybody's here for. But a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different personalities. And I'm kind of always curious where the people that I'm talking to about it are coming from. Um, so, And that's actually something I don't know about you, Bailey, is like, what's your origin with baseball? Um, like what brought you, what brought you into this? Yeah, no, that's, that's such a, a good question to think about too. Like where, cause especially if you like wind up in chats with other people, you, you learn that these people are just like, some of them are Red Sox fans and they're not even from like new England. So it's yeah. so interesting. I am from, uh, I am from Massachusetts. I grew up like eight miles north of Boston. So I grew up in Winchester, Massachusetts, uh, hoity-toity, like, you know, um, but my parents are both from Somerville. Um, my grandmother is actually the reason that I, whom I never got to meet. She passed away, unfortunately, before I was born. But what I found interesting about the, the love of baseball in, you know, my family is passed down, you know, like maternally. My grandmother was actually so like, congrats to her. She was a Braves fan before a Red Sox fan. So I'm happy that the Braves won. They're sort of always my National League team. Alice McSweeney slash Campania as her marriage name. Uh, just congrats to her and her team winnings, being forced to become a Red Sox fan after, you know, the Braves went to Milwaukee and then ended up in Atlanta. But yeah, Alice was a big, big Braves fan. So I'm very happy for the Braves. Um, but yeah, so she sort of passed down her love of baseball then to my mom. And my mom was massive Red Sox fan. Like she had season tickets in like the eighties when the Red Sox were terrible and nobody would go see them. <laughs> Back when the tickets were actually affordable. Yes. And she had good seats too. So it made me really upset. I mean, right now, like she's always like, do you think I can afford those two seats now? They're like 200 a pop. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> and she had like the, um, she didn't do weekend games. So she just had like night games. So it was a little less than 81. So maybe she, she averaged like about maybe 70 games or so, oh, but still like 70 games at, potentially four to five hundred dollars thrown out is crazy as you know <laughs> right yeah so yeah she's big red sox fan uh for sure so like 2004 i'm i'm like i'm ed and i are a little older so like we can remember 2004 vividly and i'm, I'm thankful for that because getting to share in 2004 with her was just incredible and um, I was I was lived at home obviously for 2004 2007, but then I lived in LA for 13, so I didn't get to experience that one with with my family. I had experienced that by myself, sad soul, watching it in front of the TV in my apartment. But then I was back home for grad school for 2018, so it was nice to at least get to you know experience three out of the four championships with my mom. So that was really great. So, yeah. So outside of like being from, you know, Massachusetts and it's sort of being like everywhere, I would say that the the big thing that really got me into it was my mom. And I'm crazy passionate. We sort of as if you follow either Pesky or if you follow me on Twitter, like, you know, but I like I love baseball as a whole. I grew to like love baseball. So that's why I'm really excited to do a podcast that's just going to not just be Red Sox, even though that is my passion. But I sort of. I fell in love with the game as like a young little girl, believe it or not. We can love sports too. <laughs> well, what about you, Ed? What really got you into Red Sox um, or just baseball? It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's a little different, I think. Um, so my family is all from New York. Um, my mom mm. grew up a Yankee fan and mm-hmm. my dad's from Long Island. So he was a little bit more of 
a Mets fan, but I think he was also kind of a Yankee fan, which is always secretly. I, I so I grew up with this gigantic Mickey Mantle poster in my bedroom next to all my uh, oh. like Siapara shrines. So I mean, it's the, all right, the Mickey Mantle. Shrine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was just a cool piece of mer- of like paraphernalia to get. Yeah, like, grandmother's neighbors saw like I was like nine or something, and I get it. They were like, "Oh, you like that? Here, you can keep it." So I always had. Sort of, I guess, like a greater scope of baseball for, I mean, I was, I was, I grew up a Red Sox fan. I'm from Acton, which is like suburban, uh, suburban Massachusetts. So kind of unavoidable that I'd be a Red Sox fan to some extent. But mm-hmm. uh, my dad um, in the 60s played this card game called uh, uh, APA. And the best way I can describe what APA is, is that uh, they take all of the statistics from the previous season and the, through um, math that I don't really understand, they find a way to <laughs> uh, simulate the seasons. Um, and there's basically it was like a card game, but you roll dice. And then so he played that. And then in the early 90s, they moved this to the computer. And it basically you have leagues of this game. It's still around. I still play it. But That's my dad cool. and I. Really, I I would sit on his lap and like you press the mm. enter key to like have a play happen, and he'd let me he'd let me press that, and that was sort of our bonding thing uh, for a long time. And then I think when I was in my in the fifth grade, I got my first team, and um, you know I've been doing that since. It's kind of like uh, fantasy baseball meets Dungeons and Dragons is really the best way I can describe it. Um, That's cool. So it's really it's Dungeons and Dragons for John. The highest, the highest <laughs> the stats nerds, I love that, it. So, so that was sort of where I got mm-hmm. like my my interest in sabermetrics and like the greater mm-hmm. game and like the the patterns that happen over the years, uh, like the just the numbers and all of that stuff. I mean, I played baseball growing up too. Um, mm-hmm. I was a second baseman. I played in uh, wood bat till I was nineteen, and then oh, cool. it was much harder to find leagues that uh, you could play in without being semi pro. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I would say that is where my interest originally uh, originally came from. It was uh, just, you know, just kind of playing with my dad. That's cool. And I think that works great that you sort of had that, like, love for the, the sabermetrics, which is kind of cool because that, like, works well for, like, what you do with the Sox prospects because, like, you know, those guys deep dive into everything. Yeah. About them. And- yeah, and you kind of have to learn how to, like, read between, like, okay, well, this stat is good, but let's look into some other things, too. And it kind of keeps you, because one thing that <laughs> definitely happens for uh, Red Sox fans is that they all, they all think that their prospects are just, like, the absolute best. And there, But there are 30 teams that are all developing the exact same ones. And, you know, like, you don't know who's, what's good. Just because they're on your team doesn't mean they're going to be good. Uh, with yeah. apologies to Jared Duran. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think what I think what is exciting about the Red Sox, though, is that there is potentially a, a bright future with with some of the prospects that we have down there. So, like, it, I, I understand why people are getting excited, especially when, you know, we had, you know, Dombrowski, I mean, did his job. He sold off some of them, brought in talent to help win a championship. So, like, he did what he was supposed to do. But it's like, you know, the, the farm system was depleted for a little bit. So it's cool to sort of see and see that some of these people are on the verge of Major League Baseball. Oh, yeah. No, like my love of Kyle Bloom makes me want to, like, shit-talk Dave Dombrowski more. <laughs> but honestly, like, most of the prospects that he traded didn't really end up doing that much. Um, yeah. Thus far. I mean, Yon Mankata, 
Michael Coppish to an extent. But, like, also, they got Chris Sale for them. They got Chris Sale to, like, a five-year extension. And, it, yeah. like, even if they just got the 2018 World Series out of it, you make that trade. Yeah, and um, you're able to do – and, like, because there was depth in the farm system then, you're able to get rid of a Yohan Moncada when you have a Rafael Devers just hanging exactly, out. Exactly. It was um, – I mean, yes, maybe the Red Sox don't develop pitching. But also, Coppish blew out his arm pretty much right away. So, yeah, you know, it's been a recovery him. Would have lost him, and and the big question is whether or not he's going to start or close. If he closes, I think the Red Sox win that. Oh yeah. So like, and it's not really about. I'm not about like who wins. Who wins a trade? Like a trade can be beneficial for both the White Sox. The trade can be both beneficial for the Red Sox. Like we didn't have to give up Devers, so give DD all the credit for that one. Damn. Yeah. Like you know. But also liking liking Dombrowski doesn't mean that Bloom doesn't know what he's doing either. And I've been oh. I've really. I've really enjoyed watching uh, Bloom because the way that the way that so here's a fun thing about um, APA. What so, so I have been doing this for a, a pretty long time mm-hmm. since like I would say 2000, but there are people that are doing it even longer than me, like mm-hmm. the 80s and the 70s. And some of the guys that I uh, that I am in a league with uh, remember helping uh, owner of the Boston Red Sox, John Henry, troubleshoot for his team because when things got converted to uh the computer not everybody could kind of figure out what was going on there and the way that henry has always run the red sox has been very similar to how somebody would run an appa team um and that's That's the way that bloom does it is very similar to how people have been doing it in like the leagues that i do um and that's been really cool because not every team does that um i would say most teams don't because there is that financial aspect yeah he um, scouts out players and the sabermetrics that he does target are really similar to how me or my dad or anybody in the leagues would look towards that like when we do our drafts or whatever or when we're looking to go after minor league talent in these leagues. So that's it's kind of it's kind of fascinating to watch. Um, and he's better at it than I am. There's a reason he has that job. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's the thing is like the the hate that High and Bloom still gets after you know the this team getting two wins within a World Series like it makes me mad because I think we potentially could have beaten the Braves but that's you know you know whatever Braves won but uh, the fact is that like this team that nobody thought was gonna do anything made it into the American League Championship Series and got up to one against. Oh, the the Astros at one point unfortunately couldn't seal the deal um but it's it's crazy that he built this team like Ed's saying based a lot upon the idea of sabermetrics and they were successful so imagine what sabermetrics some more developing some more drafting and spending money wisely will do with this team in 2022 and beyond yeah, and I mean, obviously you need more than just like, oh, this guy gets on base, so let's get mm-hmm. him. You need to have, like, Moneyball, for instance. They mm-hmm. completely, especially the movie, they com- they kind of neglected to mention the pitching <laughs> rotation that the A's have in that. Yes, have in that With yes, Dito yes. Hudson and Mulder. That like, was a crazy Dito- rotation. Yeah, like, <laughs> the Kike Hernandez's and, you know, the Hunter Renfro's, you need guys like that. You're not going to win without those guys, but the support pieces aren't going to be as important, you know, as your Rafi Devers, as your Xander Bogarts, as your Nathan Eovaldi's. Um, Honestly, though, or as your your Garrett Whitlock's also, who kind of came out of uh, nowhere. You're going to have to 
be able to find your, those diamonds in the rough to support the piece, the known pieces. And um, it was just really fun to watch that this year. And I'm already, uh, I'm already missing the regular season. And I, you know, I follow the Arizona Fall League and I mm-hmm. do, I follow Sox prospects for like the Venezuelan League and the Dominican League and all of that stuff. But it's, it's not the same. And you know what's scary? We might not have a season this year. Yes, that is, yeah, the CBA's upcoming, and uh, we wanted to sort of talk a little bit about it, but, like, as Ed and I were talking before we got on, like, not really get caught up in the, the, the minutia of it all, because there it's a lot, <laughs> like. And yeah, there's, yeah. like, weird lawyer stuff that I don't understand, and, I mean, it seems like the blood's gotten so bad yes. since Manford became the, uh, Manford, whatever his name is, became commissioner. Yeah, and he got booed uh, yet again during the trophy ceremony for the Braves. Like, fans, fans are not fans. <laughs> Has a commissioner ever not gotten booed, though, in all fairness? Like... It's true. I felt like, for the most part, Selig didn't get the quite the flack that somebody like Manfred has had received. But um, the big problem with like Selig was that he just let steroids do their thing, which fans, part of fans, liked, you know, yeah. seeing Sosa and Maguire go head to head. So like fans didn't hate the steroid era necessarily. No, they really you know? did, and it, it's been kind of interesting seeing the integrity of the game issues switch from like everyone's doing steroids too everyone's stealing calls and uh stealing plays and uh what are we doing i think yeah i think the astro scandal really put a huge damper on on manfred and whether or not you care or you don't care i'm almost past the point of not caring at this point like because everybody cheats unfortunately the astros took it to like a huge you know a a different level but like look at it this way the only championship they have is a hundred percent tainted like, you know, three chances to get it. The one time they do it is when they were cheating and it still had to go to a game seven. So, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, it just, because we we don't know what was going on in other other Mm -hmm. eras of the sport. And if like teams didn't get caught. And I mean, okay, just like a, for instance, with like the steroids thing, people were using greenies, which are, if I remember correctly, some form of like amphetamine to like boost their play in the 20s. None of this stuff was like banned at the time. It was probably kind of risky, but you know, you look for every competitive edge that you can. Um, And I'm, I'm of the unpopular opinion that, the steroids didn't do that much, you know, like they help you heal quicker. They're mm-hmm. not going to help you make contact with a baseball better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe yes. you'll hit it further, but the hardest thing to do in any sport is to make contact with a 99 mile an hour fastball or, to For hit sure. a or something. For sure. I think somebody like Barry Bonds wouldn't have been challenging you know, excuse me, Hank Aaron's home run record necessarily, but to say that he's not he wasn't a hall of fame player before the steroids is just it's nonsensical because he was and he is but the idea of like without steroids he would have been a hall of fame player he probably still would have hit a lot of home runs because he has a a beautiful swing just like you look at ken griffey jr jr hits those home runs based on the mechanics of that swing it is a gorgeous 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 swing so i don't think yeah i don't think necessarily somebody like barry bonds would maybe be like here is the home run champion barry bonds but here is hall of famer barry bonds undoubtedly oh yeah he went he went from being like a dave winfield like very very good clear hall of fame but also not going to like 
be mentioned with like, you know, like with the Babe Ruths and Hank Aaron's of the world too, being yeah. right up there with the rest of them. Yeah, and like it's it's sad too because like who who what would the resume have been without steroids? It's like the same thing with Clemens. Clemens was clearly a Hall of Famer. Clemens took it like as as Ed was saying, sort of like to heal and for longevity. Like he would never have been able to pitch to like forty if he didn't have steroids. You know. Yeah. You know what's I what I what I kind of wonder though also when it comes to like the steroids thing is like what. What player would you like to see on steroids? Yeah. Like, oh my god. Like Altuve on like, steroids. Like Ralph Kagner on steroids. Like some <laughs> a guy who's like hitting 51 home runs every year. Or like Willie Mays on steroids. Do you think that oh that would have like brought? Do you think that that would have increased his staying power, or would he have burned himself out and gotten hurt from it? Yeah, you you don't really know because like it's. As we know, it's not good for your system to put this into your body. Uh, whether but it is like, you know, somebody like an had it who claims that like he had just took taken HGH and HGH was 100% to just recovery. And like a part of me, it's fine. Like if you want to like speed up your recovery, like let's figure out a way to speed up your recovery where it's like, okay. Because especially if it's not giving you necessarily a competitive edge, but it's speeding up your recovery. It's sort of like spider tack. Spider tack gives you the spin rate which gives you a competitive edge but we've learned that sort of sunscreen and rosin just gives you doesn't give you the spin rate it gives you a better grip which is something that these pitchers need so how do we get something that's going to give them not a competitive advantage but something that's gonna it's not even an advantage they should be able to grip the ball properly you know i mean it's a the spider tack thing is very weird to me just in general i don't think gripping the ball is necessarily a bad thing. I think, like, you know, with the spider tack, I think it was taken to uh, a bit of the extreme there, where it's like, okay, maybe this is an unfair advantage, but I don't think grip on its own is necessarily a bad yeah. thing, and I guess that's sort of where the steroids are also, where it's like, okay, people have been taking stuff to improve their physicality, to improve their healing for years. Maybe this is a little too far, though, with it. And yeah, yeah. It, but it gets tricky. Like, where do you where do you draw the line on that, though? And I'm not... Yeah. I don't it's know tough. enough about the situation to uh, to really have that uh, have that opinion, I guess. Yeah, and sort of who are we to draw that line? And I guess that really comes down to, like, when you're the commissioner of baseball, you're supposed to be the one that does say we're going to penalize the Astros for cheating or says we're not going to. So you're sort of the law, in essence, of of it in in a, in a weird way to say and I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying about Manfred being booed this is why he's so consistently booed there's no you know what I mean like it was just like he didn't do his job yeah he just didn't do his job like it took to the point that like all these reports had to come out Hinch and Cora get fired and get suspended for a year nothing happens to the players that are actually doing it to the with the exception of Carlos Beltran but that was yeah. he had retired. Yeah, and that's unfair to to Carlos Beltran in a way, you know. All these other people aren't getting shit for it, but here he is, like having to lose his job as the Mets. And who knows? Like, the, didn't the, the Mets ended up firing Rojas, right? Yeah, so they like, did. like you don't know what the season would have been with with Beltran, but you didn't give him the chance because you were like, I, nope. <laughs> it's fascinating with the Mets though, because you have Beltran getting fired. <laughs> You have their GM, mm. you know, getting uh, getting 
the first one with sexual. like the uh, like the sexual harm. Right. Like was it sexual yep. harassment? I don't think it was sexual assault, but it wasn't. It was harassment. Yeah, next to that to that reporter. Yeah, um, un- unprovoked. Here's my penis and being ridiculously aggressive about it. And yeah. her being like, dude, no. Consistently for a long time with no implication that she could possibly like. I remember reading through that and seeing like, Mm -hmm. oh my god, this is like thirty or forty. This guy's in his this guy's in his forties. He's sending like thirty texts that don't have a response to them. Like he's like a fifteen year old boy. (laughs) Yeah, it just it's 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 fucking bizarre. And like, yeah, no, like I don't. You can be like, oh, but nobody was being hurt by it. It was just an aggressive text. I'm sorry. He deserves to be punished for not figuring out that you're not supposed to do that. Like, Yeah, take a hint, dude. You know? like, like, you're not Ryan Phillippe sending me, like, dick pics. I'm going to respond. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> you're just like some guy on the mess. It's like, cool, you're the GM. But, like, also this so woman. Don't send dick pics unless you're the guy from Cruel Intentions. Intentions, exactly. To me, so at least. That had to be like, like late 90s Ryan Phillip also. Like Ryan Phillip now, maybe. Oh, maybe no, no, no. That, that boy could still get it at 47. Oh, can he? <laughs> mm-hmm. Good for him. He can. But yeah, <laughs> sort of. have Zach that. Scott after that, too, with holy, holy yes. shit. Did you follow that whole, like, thing where, like, all of those reporters were like, oh, a team should should hire Zach Scott. And this was the day after that Henry Ruggs thing. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, no, that was just the, it was like, yes. uh, Thankfully, uh, Zach Scott did not kill anybody in his drunk driving incident, but still the idea of like, and I believe in, forgiveness for people potentially when it comes to certain things there's certain things where i'm like no you are not getting forgiven for certain things but i think that you can learn from you can learn from drunk driving unfortunately with like with rugs it was he killed someone and holy shit and what were you doing like i don't i don't know there's just like drunk driving is so avoidable now especially with like uber lyft and just common sense but um yeah, yeah as somebody like that had just been you know, arrested for drunk driving, I don't think necessarily should just be handed, you know, the idea of like white male privilege. Here's, here's your job still. Like, you know, yeah, like that's ridiculous. I would feel remarkably uncomfortable with Henry Ruggs not. So for those of you who don't follow news, that's being shown a lot. Um, (laughs) You're under that rock. is the 22-year-old first-round pick from the Oakland Raiders in his second year, and he was coming back from a party at, like, I don't know, like, 8.40 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and he's with his girlfriend in, like, his Corvette or whatever car he had. He's driving, for some reason, on a residential road he's driving, and this is not a typo, 156 miles an hour. Holy um, shit. And he slams into another car that happened to have a woman and her dog in it. <sighs> and her dog burned alive. Uh, and going to jail for a long time. Yes, um, was in the car. There was a loaded gun in the car for some reason. Um, but anyway, so this happens. And the same day, you get beat writer from the Boston Red Sox, Pete Abraham, talking oh. about how one mistake should not ruin Zach Scott's career. Zach Scott being the uh, general manager of the New York Mets, who uh, got into, who lost his job recently because at a party at his boss's house, uh, 
He drove home drunk. He uh, ended up passing out in his car in front of a stoplight, I believe Jeez. is what happened there. And that he didn't tell the Mets about this happening. So they, I believe that was what the issue that actually caused him to get fired was, was that he did, uh, he just didn't tell anybody about it. Um, Imagine being like, oh, by the way, sorry. And then it comes out that you, <laughs> like, what? What's yeah. he doing at that point, you know? So, um, Mr. Abraham, who was a beat writer for the Boston Red Sox, um, and one that I um, I do not mind. There are some beat writers for the Red Sox that I think are terrible. I yes. actually think that Pete Abraham is a bad writer, but this was just an all-time day of this horrible crash with a famous... <laughs> good timing. Yeah, and saying, oh, this guy who hasn't actually suffered any repercussions yet should get rehired. It was just kind of, it was just bad time that he got real defense, bad timing. He got real defensive about it. And um, was like, oh, I guess none of you have ever done something terrible in your lives. I never went out driving after drinking. I can say that for sure. Pete. Yeah. Like that's, there's a difference between making a mistake and making a choice. That's a huge mistake. You know, mm -hmm. there's a big difference between us drinking like right now and not driving until we've sobered up versus I, yes. my blood alcohol level is twice above the legal limit. Let's see what happens if I go 160 miles an hour in my car on a residential road. Also, you know, this, like, or let's see what happens if I decide to take a nap behind this stoplight. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to take that nap when you're completely sober, take your nap. But like, it's just like, yeah, use better know. judgment. <laughs> like, yeah. Or if you're tired, you can maybe make it home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, I don't condone, like, I mean, I, like, you know, I sort of don't sort of look at, like, oh, don't drink, like, drink, just don't drink and then drive, you know? Yeah, I think that's really the, the lesson the, here, is don't, don't drink and drive and be consistent about these things. Yeah, uh, and if you want somebody to get a second chance, like, maybe not right away, maybe when he figures out things and he's, like, maybe getting help for drinking if he does in fact have a problem he might not have one he just may have just made a really really poor decision that evening but just sort of doing things to better himself better his community and things like that then maybe you allow him to have a job in the future but not right away you know? yeah just give it let it let it breathe through or let people forget about about it like i know that that's kind of a cynical way to look at it but people have a short memory There'll be yeah. someone else that's getting shamed for something shitty pretty soon. Hopefully There'll be people the defending them. Oh, yeah, especially with the Mets. Like, just give, yeah. it, give it a little oh time God. before you decide to say, hey, he's a he's a good man. Give him a job, you know? Yes. But the Mets, man, some curses going on in, uh, going on in Queens. Wait, that team, Jesus. Yeah, that's... I mean, there was the whole thing with, with Baez and uh, Lindor and, like, the booing yeah, the fans thing. Oh, my God. Like, could you imagine that happening? Like, when I heard that that was the Mets, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, imagine if they were doing that. Or imagine if, like, the Yankees decided to do that, like, in the Bronx. Like, Jesus <laughs> H. Like, I can't even. too much for that to happen. The Yankee yeah. fans are so, like, oh. This team's so terrible. They're only above 500, and we we we, we haven't missed the playoffs in years. And yeah. Like, uh, come on. Like, that's so much. I would much rather have a team that's always at least competitive, you know? Yes. Than and that's team. something that I think Hyam Bloom can do is, like, he talked about it in his press conference. And he was like, I don't want to just be – he's like, yes, the Red Sox have won four championships, but if you look at it, it's like, win, shit, 
win shit win shit it's like he's about consistency and i like that yeah i don't think that not winning the world series every year is necessarily like a bad thing i think that you first of all you have to get to the playoffs in mm-hmm. order to win the world Series. look at the braves they won like what like 88 wins this year that's it's less crazy you gotta get hot at the right time hot at the right time Exactly. And that's what, you know, that's what some teams manage to do. And other teams just, it's interesting because those Red Sox teams that have won the World Series, I think all four of them kind of steamrolled everybody in their way. Yes. (laughs) You know, Um, and that's different. It's different. And I think that that's, when you're seeing teams that are that good win it, you're like, oh, that's what a championship team looks like. But it's not really what they always look like. And it's a lot harder to build that kind of team. And you know, there's a hangover after that. I think the only team from that group that made the playoffs the next year wasn't it the 2007 team? Oh five. Team. Oh five. They made, but they lost to the White Sox in the DS. Right, and then didn't they not? And then they didn't make the playoffs the next year. That's right. They lost. They got their asses kicked by the White Sox in 2005. Yes, yes that, that was, was a weird. Clean. David Wells was on that team. That was yeah. That he was They're like man making the playoffs year. at least. You know. That yeah, was. They made it. But you're right. I think they were terrible in 06 and then win in 07. 08, to me, 08 was like the year that like, like, I don't know, ruined my soul. Because people will say like, oh, you don't know what pain is. Like you had already had two championships. When you're like literally like 17 years old. No, I was 18 at that point. So you're like 18 years old. You're like super invested in your team. You just won a championship. You see an 08 team that potentially on paper is like better than 07. Like I think it was the the best potential to go back to back championships. So you're on the verge of it. Like you get to like an at game seven in the ALCS, you come back in game six. You're like, we're winning this shit. Like yeah, we're yeah. going, we're going back to, and like, I think we would have gone back to back. I think they would have handled Philly easily. And then you lose to the Astros. I, I mean, not the Astros. Oh, the Rays. The no, Rays. I hated the Rays, Rays for years. Like oh, I, I still crazy. hate the Rays. I <laughs> hate the Rays. Uh, I hate them much more than I have ever hated the Red Sox, the, the Yankees. The Yankees, yeah. So, like, I was like, oh, I hate this team. Like, you know, they got started. Like, I think I hate the Rays of, of cockiness. So I think that's why I really enjoyed beating the Rays this year. Because they looked dumbfounded when they lost. And I'm like, you know what? You lost. You lost. Yeah. You lost. Yeah. <laughs> like, they got they got beat by a team that got hot at the right time. And mm-hmm. isn't that the Red Sox, the 2021 Red Sox in a nutshell? Yeah, the I thought... The sneakiest team I have ever seen play. Yep. When they were on, mm-hmm. they, nothing could go wrong. They had so many come behind win, come from behind wins. They had so many yeah. just, like, absolutely dominant runs. But then they'd also lose, like, 10 in a row to a bunch of crappy yes. teams. That's why I thought... Like they they got hot in the ALCS and then you immediately saw them go ice cold. But yeah. I thought like I thought for sure they were gonna run that hot streak to the world. I was like shit, this is that streak. But unfortunately, I mean, getting through the race was a big deal. I'm yeah. I, like, I'm not of the boat that thinks like not if you don't, it's World Series or bust. This was no. a team yeah. that barely even squeaked into the playoffs, and they took out, in my opinion, the team that was favored to win the World Series. Yeah. Yeah, they did it. And uh, that that's the problem is, like, it's interesting that, like, it, I, I kept saying, like, the offense was, like, Jekyll and Hyde, like, all season. Well, they were. So, yeah. So you they, they did their whole, like, Jekyll and Hyde act. But the pitching, like, that pitching looked damn good in the ALCS. Like, Sale looked like that corner turn that can take him into 2022. And you're like, damn. Stanley Evaldi are going to be real interesting next year, but I think that 
I think that like the most important piece of the rotation is actually going to be what they decide to do with Whitlock and and Hauk. Yes. I think if you put Whitlock in the rotation, what he ends up being is going to be really fascinating because is he he was great in the bullpen. Absolutely. Is he a front line starter though? I think he is. But he's got some good pitches. Oh, of course. And the same thing with 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 Hauk. Like we saw him pretty much perfect game. The uh, you know, the Washington Nationals over what was it like five innings? Like it's it was oh, crazy. Yeah, in a must win game. It's nothing it doesn't matter if that was the Nationals or the Dodgers. Who like cares? that was a must win game. The pressure was the pressure was as high as it's going to be. You're up against yeah. the arguably the best hitter in baseball with Juan Soto. Yes. Yes. And you didn't walk him. Like we're talking no. like that's incredible. Uh yeah, so it really to me when somebody like throws a no hitter or a perfect game, it's like, oh, it's against this team. I'm like, you go out there and try to do that. Like, geez. Yeah. Like you go out there and do too. that in a game that if you lose, you're probably out of the playoffs. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, so that's he's nuts. he's stepped up. So like whether or not they're gonna try both of them in the rotation, that then adds so many questions about like, all right, how is Heim gonna rebuild this bullpen? And I still think that regardless of putting let's say you wanna put the both of them into the rotation, like you have to potentially go out and like I know they gave Rodriguez a qualifying offer, so whether or not he takes it. If he takes it, great. Then you know that's like what, I think eighteen point four million, boom. You in it, so you have him, and that's a solid three, but if he doesn't accept it, then you have to negotiate uh, a contract with him, and like whether you keep him or you go for somebody else, I still think there needs to be that number three starter, or if it's a if it's higher, if you're going like after a Scherzer, which I don't necessarily think is going to happen. Well, that's where we get into the collective bargaining agreement, mm-hmm. though, because right now you have a max of, I think it's $210 million yes. for a team payroll. There's no Florida this, so you have lots of teams tanking. And a lot of what you're seeing right now is, okay, do we expand the amount before the luxury tax hits? Tax hits? Do we add a floor so that teams have to actually put in a degree of, comp- of competitiveness for yes. building teams? It's really interesting, and it's going to, whether or not I think they raise what the luxury tax is, is going to be important for team building, because it's like, how many players can a team go before they start to think, okay, this isn't really worth the additional amount I have to pay for these things? Yeah, and usually it seems like if you look from like 2017 up until uh, 2021, it looks as if the luxury tax is about like a $2 million increment. So if we were to go into 2022 thinking that's going to go up by $2 million, like we have a probably a $212 million like luxury tax where you, you hit that and then obviously the penalty is beyond that. But who the, like who knows because like, you know, the CBA is, you know, they have to get the players and the owners together to figure out you know what's gonna be going on with the future of baseball so it could potentially lead to a lockout and then after like ed said he loved the 2021 season i did too especially coming after 2020 that was just terrible. <laughs> what shit year <laughs> like thank you it got us marcella meyer but um Oh, no, I just mean from, like, a baseball perspective in general. Yeah, of course, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, like, the Red Sox were absolute garbage that year, but if you're going to pick a year to be be garbage, at least it's a 60-game season. Heim knew. He was like, I'm going to run out all this shit. Maybe I'm going to catch, like, he found Phillips Valdez, who was was beneficial. He found Arroyo, who was one of his guys in Tampa, but he found Arroyo. Um, Is there anybody else? Ploiecki, he got Ploiecki, solid oh, backup. Yeah. He hit like 341 in like admittedly yeah. limited time, but 
dude can dude can hit. Yeah, like that's what you want from your backup catcher. So like he did find. So I think it was just sort of like I'm gonna throw these dots and maybe something's gonna like stick. And I was fine with that in 2020. Like I didn't care. I didn't like it would have felt weird if the Red Sox were like good in 2020 and they like won the World Series. But like I would have been like uh, I don't know. I f- I'd feel icky about a 2020. And that's not diminishing what the you know what the Dodgers did. But I, I know as a fan if the Red Sox suddenly were because 2019 they weren't good. No, they, they they were good. Was, they just weren't good enough, you know. I didn't. I honestly kind of hated the 2019 Red Sox. I didn't <laughs> particularly enjoy that team uh, yeah. because it they weren't playing. They they yeah, they were. They played so much worse than you expected going into the season. It was like it was like the playoff hangover, but like mm-hmm. less competitive. Like it wasn't like the Dodgers this year where they won, but they were still hungry because it was a sixty-game season. It wasn't yeah. like the Yankees in the late nineties or like what you've seen from the Giants. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, I don't like rooting for a team that doesn't have that chip on its shoulder. You know, it's mm-hmm. like rooting for um like the Yankees in Major League <laughs> or rooting for yeah. Cobra Kai in the original Karate Kid movies Kid. <laughs> before Cobra Kai became the more likable people in that series um, yeah before they got their own <laughs> Netflix show you know? like, exactly like why would you root for like the generic 80s villain like it's just you're you're clearly not supposed to and yet yeah. you are because they're your hometown team. And, like, I've done that before. I've done that with the Patriots. But I also know a lot less about football than I do about baseball. Yeah, no, that's so true. So it's like being a Yankee fan in the 90s where you just, like, never, never not won. But also you have to really, like, look at it. Like, of course, I'm I'm Red Sox fan. I grew up. Like, it's ingrained that, like, yeah, the Yankees don't win the World Series. It's a great year for me. But, like, if you really look back upon it, like, as good as, like, the Dodgers have been and you know everybody's saying like oh they're gonna repeat like they're gonna repeat like baseball is so wild that I feel like you can't guarantee a repeat but to think that what the Yankees did you know from literally like 1996 to 2001 was goddamn incredible it was like, ridiculous. It's and incredible. Luis Gonzalez and Tony Walmack soloed them. And I guess Kurt Schilling and Randy yeah. Johnson. They ended they they were the ones who ended that dynasty. It wasn't it wasn't anything that happened after that. You know? It was yeah. really just losing that World Series. And that yeah. is incredible to have that effect on the and sport. If the Yankees were gonna ever win a World Series, like two thousand one was the year that people were like, Yes, okay. And that's the year where like Johnson and Schilling were like, Not in my house. No. <laughs> like, no, this is we're gonna win this. It's so funny that it was that team too, with like what's with what's come out about Kurt Schilling and to uh, extent Randy Johnson since then, like, yeah, it's, like it's just kind of funny. You're the one that stomps on the dreams. But it's funny, though, because you look at, like, Derek Jeter's face, and I'm like, dude, you just won three straight. <laughs> like, you know, like, is it like, the face? Don't you of... like that? Like, if you were a I do. Fan, is that what you want to see? Yeah, you do want to see him upset, even if he won three, just three straight championships. You've gone to, like, four in a row, and... So that's the difference with the Astros and, like, the, you know, the late 90s to early 2000 Yankees. is like, oh, cool, the Astros have been to the league championship series five times. They've literally have one championship to show for it. And like we spoke earlier, it's tainted. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Yankees literally won three in a row, for fuck's yeah. sake, and went to four straight World Series. And that was a game seven 
that they had the lead in and Mariano Rivera because the best of believer of all time blew it. Like they so, were on the precipice of four straight World Series championships. Insane. So here's what I gotta say about that. Also, do you consider it that Rivera blew it, or do you consider it that the Diamondbacks won it? Because I think the Diamondbacks won it. They did win it because they like grinded like out like council like grinded his at bat out yeah. like Womack like grinded it out like then there's just like so so many things like went right for the for the Diamondbacks too though like they had a play you know like had you know um, Jeter been in position properly hadn't been playing in you know that bloop doesn't go over his head yeah. so there's just so many things that. It was weird because it felt like the Diamondbacks were to win this because like things yeah. were going in their way, but they did win it. Like they grinded it out. They got to a game seven against the three-time defending champions. Like you can't take that away from the Diamondbacks. Yeah. And that's that's sort of what I feel about Rivera and what made him as great as he was is that I don't feel like he ever blew games. He mm. made the other team win it, and I think that that's actually what makes a really good closer is that you force the other team to win. Yeah. It's rather, true. Like, yeah, it's true. That, we had to steal, like we had, you know, you had to have Robert steal that base and go all out. Like you don't, you don't get the walk from Millar. Like yeah. the most, but Millar needs more credit. Like that, that walk was great. He got a walk from Rivera and like, he always said, you know, I'm slow as molasses. So they're bringing in the speedster, <laughs> you know, like he knew. I and then Millar so much, but really? he, he was a not. A, and I, 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 I like Millar now that he's retired. I like yeah. him a lot more. I just hated him because he said he would have traded Nomar for Aaron, and I was like, Nomar yeah. fanboy number one. <laughs> and even if you realize that, like, it's great. It's so funny how close the Red Sox had. Like the paperwork was there. Yeah, and Magdalena yeah. Ordonez. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, and Maglia. So, but it's so funny because like, who, who the hell knows? But anything, we could have zero championships if we had, you know, Maglio or if we had A-Rod. Like, you don't know. Or we could have had more. You don't know, but I'm fine. We've got our four. Like, we can't bitch, even though the Red Sox fan base is very spoiled. But, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're potentially going into, like, we're talking a season without potentially baseball because of because of what's going to be going on. And it's like, how do you feel about it? How do you think it's potentially going to even even if we have a season, how do you feel like this is all going to affect, you know, potentially the Red Sox? Um, I think that before they go and make any real signings, they kind of have to – this has to be worked out because you yes. have the – Bogarts is going to opt out next year. Yep. The only way Bogarts doesn't opt out next year is if he, like, tears his ACL during the spring yeah. trade or something of like course. that. Yeah. And we don't want that as much no, as we, we want Xander obviously... to stay. We don't yeah. want injury. <laughs> like, um, but they also there's a Raphael Devers extension that could mm-hmm. be happening. Um, you've got just a bunch of young players that are on the verge, like Tristan Cassis. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to gauge what's going on there. Do we do the does the team go and get a new first baseman? Do they use Bobby Dial back there? Do you get Kyle yeah. Schwarber back? Use him at first until Cassis is ready. Move him to DH. What is JD Martinez do? There's just so much, and this is we're listing Red Sox because that's sort of what we know best. But this yes, is going on of for every team everybody, right of course. It's impossible to really gauge. I mean, let's look at um, the Astros. Okay, they've got Car- Carlos Correa is going to be probably going to another team. You've got like five different shortstops that are not maybe not Corey level, but you've got some good shortstops. So How much money do you throw at a Corey Seager or a Marcus Semien or mm-hmm. a Trevor Story? 
and that you can handle the other side of your team because you've got some pitchers leaving. You've got some other spots that are going to be um, fill in. This goes for every team. And until that is figured, the labor issues are figured out, it's really, really difficult to get a to get a handle on how a team rebuilds their team. Um, and, you know, there's a big difference if it's they add a minimum, like a floor to how much you can spend versus increasing the maximum. Yes. If you add a floor, well, that forces the Baltimore Orioles to, you know, maybe give Trey Mancini a big extension or to take yes. a few more shots at some guys that maybe other teams don't want to take shots at. I think, yeah. Or, or, you know, like maybe a team trades them some prospects with an aging player that uh, they pay the rest of their paycheck, but they can still tack. Um, yeah, that's what happened with Lowell. Like, you know, Lowell is like, Mike Lowell was the throw-in with the Red Sox because, you know, yeah. they wanted Beckett. So, like, who knows if, yeah, you're right, if if that's going to be sort okay. of a selling point for some. Yeah, we just don't know what's... I know, like, um, the I know that the owners are more interested in having, like, a floor, but giving the players, like, a little bit less of a, uh, of a chunk of these things so that players wouldn't be getting quite as much. Um, yeah. I know mm-hmm. also that there's a lot of, you know, as far as leverage goes... The players, what they really have is the extended playoffs. Yes. You know, the teams want there to be more teams in the playoffs because that, well, you know, that, that's a lot more money for advertising. Uh, and that's sort of, of what the players still have in their part. I mean, I personally don't want there to be more teams in the playoffs, but Me that's because I think it kind of takes it away if you have like 14 teams making it or whatever. It's like, well, yeah, you, mediocrity is allowed in at that point. Yeah. And then. You know, we talk about being hot. Mediocrity could get hot at the right time. Oh, yeah. And, you could have end up having, a, like, a 500 team winning the World Series then, which, and I, you know, if they really do it, good for them, but that's still kind of weird. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I, that was, like, you, when what, the Astros got in in 2020. Like, so what, they what, were under Let me ask you. If there's – what would be your ideal CBA? What changes happen if uh, if you're if you somehow if if, yeah. if you're in control of both the MLB union like for the players and the owners? What do you have them do? Yeah, I love the idea of floor because it allows you know the Cleveland Indians not to have like a fifty million dollar payroll because they can. <laughs> Uh, so, or, you know, the, it's like, you know, people, the idea of tanking, I don't necessarily know if tanking, it's just like, this is the team that I put out there, whether or not you're a triple A team or not. Um, I don't think these players are intentionally trying to tank. They're trying to play really well. Like I, you know, Trey Mancini coming back from, you know, uh, beating cancer isn't going out and being like, woo, can't wait to suck with the Baltimore Orioles. No, he's going out there to play to the best of his ability. So like you said, yeah, oh my god, the dude, he becomes like Mookie Betts once you're like, you know what, don't switch it. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> wild. Um, but yeah, you have these people, and the Orioles, I think, potentially have like a good a good foundation 
uh, to potentially be good within the future. So especially now they got the first pick again uh, to go with um, Adley Rushman, who will definitely finally be in the majors in 2022 if we have the season. But I think the idea of having the floor is, is really important. And you know, this part of me, like the ceiling, you want to be the, you want to be the Dodgers and you want to blow like almost $300 million and not win the world series. Like more power to you, (laughs) you know, that's how I feel too. So, but I, think that teams need to spend to a certain extent because like you said it gives like it gives the Orioles like you know like maybe we have to we have to pay Mancini like yeah you pay Mancini like pay him but pay your players and like just let them because for me it's just it it sucks when there's like a team and you can't really root for them because you know they're going to sell all their players. Look at the Cincinnati Reds. I would hate being a Cincinnati Reds fan right now. Ten million dollars. Like, granted, if you really look deeper into, um, you know, Miley's numbers, they weren't eye popping. But ten million dollars to retain someone who is very solid for you. Like, we're talking yeah. ten. Like you and I talk to me, I'm like, mm, damn, give me some ten million dollars. Like, yeah, Ooh, that sounds great. But in the scheme of baseball. That's nothing. Like yeah. Sale is making twenty million more dollars than Wade Miley. Oh, granted, Sale is a far superior person, so it's like really not a great comparison. But if you're thinking of what you can make as a starter and what you can't, like they literally were like, here, here, Chicago, have this starter for nothing. Well, how about Tucker Tucker Barnhart also seven point five million dollar option, and catching is terrible on the free agency market this year. They got a prospect for him that isn't even, wasn't even in Detroit's top 30. You know, that that was the exchange right there. Meanwhile, your best free agent catcher right now is Jan Gomes, who's like 33 years old and played half a season. Yeah, it's crazy. So who knows if that's going to allow for, if you were like, the Red Sox were like, you know, I want like a Mitch Garver. Like maybe it won't take much to get him. Like, you know, so you sort of being like, here are these prospects that really aren't that great, but you're willing to give me, you know, somebody who's, but I think it all comes down to like today we have the, you know, sort of our deadline. So we'll know whether or not, like we have to worry about catching because we're going to have Christian Vasquez going for at least one more year. Or like, are we going to have about like $19 million to spend because, you know, (laughs) JD Martinez opts out. Like we don't know. We'll find out today. They're really taking it down to the wire for the like, Red Sox. That's right so now, boring, I feel. <laughs> oh, hey, news. They just declined, they declined Martin Perez's option, which is literally not a surprise at all. What cool. a shock. Thanks. I'll take that. I'll take that five million. Maybe you spend it on Jan Gomes. Like yeah, if Exactly. But because they, they outwardly just declined that. So I, like, I feel like they're going to pick up Vasquez. I just have that feeling. There's no reason for them not to. Like, yeah. Vasquez, because even if you keep Vasquez, you can trade him if you don't want him, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, like, it's so interesting that, like, man, the juice ball juice balls of, like, 2019, 2020 really made me think that, like, this man was the top five catcher. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, ooh, I made a mistake. But, um... <laughs> You know, it's fine, but I think they can roll with him for, I think they'll roll with him for 2022 Yeah. because they can. And like you say, it's like what, like seven and a half million. Like, yeah. And he knows the pitchers. He's been with the team forever. Um, yeah. He came up clutch in the playoffs. You can't say he didn't run. I mean, that was, yeah. that was incredible. And they actually have, they have a little bit of catching depth in the minors now with mm-hmm. Wall, Connor Wong, who they got in the Mookie Betts trade, and another guy, Ronaldo Hernandez, who's been on the, who's on I'm the 40 I'm excited about him. Last year. He 
was acquired from Tampa. He was mm-hmm. a good prospect there, kind of flaked out. Red Sox traded to kind of random relievers, Jeffrey Sprints and Chris Baza for him. That was actually a really under-the-radar trade that I think was pretty smart. Um, that was but crazy. He, actually, he had a good season in double-A. I think he's 23 years old. He'll be 24 next year, which for a catcher isn't really, it really isn't old. Mm-hmm. He got brought up to triple-A for the last two weeks along with Tristan Cassis and Josh Winkowski. Um, you know, he needs to work on his uh, defense. The scattered report that they keep having about him on Sox prospects is that defensively he would really benefit from robot ups because he's not a very good pitch framer yeah but, you know offensive catcher a catcher that could actually hit a little bit yeah it's not easy to do you know that gets you like look at yasmani grandal the guy oh basically all he does is hit home runs and draw walks yeah. and people can say he's like one of the best catchers in baseball you know like that's it's not easy to do that yeah, no, I think I'm definitely more excited from a fan perspective about Hernandez, even though, like, I think obviously defensively Wong is better. And we saw him catch a really great game. Like, Oh, yeah, Wong looked fine. He's just not a star. He doesn't, I don't think Wong is ever going to hit enough to be a starting catcher. I think he could yeah. be one of those guys. I think he could start for, like, a third-tier team and put up okay numbers, like, you know, like a 250, 15 yeah. home run sort of season. Because he's very athletic. He's sort of like a lesser version of what Swihart, like Swihart was supposed to be before he uh, blew out his leg or yeah. whatever happened. Oh, and the he, like, Red Sox he, ruined him. Like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, they really, poor guy. I saw him playing for, uh, for AAA last I year. I did too. And it was in, did in too. Worcester. And yep. it was, it was very sad. I felt very yeah, sad for him. we were at that game. We were at that same game, at, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Worcester, yeah. we didn't know. So I want to, I want to ask you uh, your opinion on something with the, sure. uh, CBA. What is your prediction for what ends up happening with this? When do you think it's resolved? What do you think happens? And what? God, that's that's like I feel like that's a loaded that's like a loaded question just because uh, like the fan in me wants it to be like resolved. Like I I, I don't want right. Of course we we want to have a, a 2022 season and. I don't know. And I'm always going to be on the side of the players. Cause even though you, you'll get certain fans, that'll be like Mike Trout literally almost has half a billion dollars. I'm like, do you know what Mike Trout's valued at for the Los Angeles angels? Like also don't get me started on them being the LA angels, but anyways, yes, um, the LA. do you prefer California or Anaheim? I love California angels. Like I love the all encompassing. I love you- that. I think they should go back to being the California angels. Like I know when Artie Moreno took over, he was like, we need to be, we need to brand better. You also suck at branding. You have two of the best, arguably best players get better at branding. You have literally the two best all around players in the yeah. game. And although Anthony Rendon, who isn't exactly a uh, slouch of a player. Yeah, when he's, when he's not hurt, you have yeah. three great freaking players on your team. Get pitching. But yeah, yeah, you just sort of want a brand be like associated with the LA thing. Like the Dodgers, the Dodgers are in LA. Chavez Ravine, that is Los Angeles versus like you have to, it's not even LA County. You have to go to Orange County. It's completely (laughs) different County. It's not LA. It takes you with traffic, like two freaking hours to get there sometimes. (laughs) Like it's not LA. Go back to being California. I loved when they were California. I didn't like when they were Anaheim or when they originally were like the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim. Stupid. <laughs> stupid title for it. Like, if, if they are of Anaheim, they are Anaheim. Yes. They're not exactly. like, it's not like there's like some tunnel that connects them to LA and that technically makes them LA or something. That's ridiculous. No. 
Yeah. So like, there's like, as a fan, I don't want to have, you know, a lockout. And like I said, I'll, I'll be on the side of, of Mike Trout, who like tactically isn't getting paid as much because, you know, between us spending $5 on a Coca-Cola and $25 (laughs) on beer, like they're making so much off of us going to consume your product, especially with TV deals. TV deals is like really where they make their money. That is, that's where the bag goes for sure. Yeah. So like they're making billions where you're like, oh, like paying Mike Trout $30 million. Like Mike Trout technically should be paid more than that. Like, sorry that it's a it's a visual medium and we consume this. Like if you don't consume it, Mike Trout doesn't get paid. Like Artie Moreno doesn't get paid. So like, it's the same thing with like, with, with media. It's like, oh, why does this actor get paid so much? Because you follow them on Instagram. Yeah. Because you do this, you consume this media by you consuming it and by you caring that, you know, um, you know, this person is dating this person. Like one, why do we care? Two, that's part of the problem. Like the fact that you care and you buy People Magazine, you buy Us Weekly, it keeps them relevant. It keeps them making millions of dollars. Like nobody is as bar- is as as shitty as it sounds. Nobody cares what you know little like little Lily is doing as a teacher in Podunk, Maryland. Like we we yeah. don't care. So like that's a, like we care we watch this person's job we yeah. consume it so that's why they're valued at a certain thing versus like the value like I I understand the value of nurses I understand the value of of teachers but un- unfortunately like we don't pay them their value versus like Mike Trout hits a baseball and he gets paid thirty million dollars a year it's because we consume it so yeah. I'm still always gonna be on that side of it because. They're the people doing the work rather than people. It's billionaire. It's like multi-million dollar owners to billionaires buying franchises that make them more rich. So I'm no. never going to be on your side like right. when it comes to that. Um, so I'm always going to be like, if it's the players holding out, you know, in 94, when, you know, the last time we had a huge strike, the whole 94 season was gone. A, a good chunk of the 95 season was gone. Yeah. Like you still have. Like people, people were complaining about like, oh, I wish I had your millions of dollars problem. <laughs> yeah, how about you focus on the people that are even richer? Like you, fo- yeah. you focus on John Henry, who like, sure, we pay JD Martinez like nineteen million dollars. JD Martinez takes his nineteen, and he can do so much. He has to pay Boris. He has to yeah. pay this person. So it's like whatever he walks away with, where John Henry can go and buy another mega yacht. Like, that's the difference. Like, as rich as J.D. Martinez is, he's not going out and buying a <laughs> yacht that he then sails to the south of France because he just right. can't afford that at that point. Whereas John right. Henry keeps getting richer and richer off of, you know, a J.D. Martinez being successful. So, the, I mean, the, it's, it's just gotten so, so that, that there's just so much money in it that, yes. the pl- like, the, the, the only people that can afford it, this isn't the one thing that they're doing. I feel like, yes. you know, like the Steinbrenners back in, like, the 50s or whatever George took over there, this was, they, it was like a shipbuilding industry that they had, and mm-hmm. they switched to baseball full-time. You don't have anybody, though, where baseball is their business. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? It's like something nice that they have on the side from the rest of the yes. business. But as soon as it starts losing money, like, well, you know, we're going to tank. Yeah, and, like, that's the people that say, like, oh, John Henry doesn't want to win. Do you think John Henry does not want to win? John Henry buys Liverpool because he wants to win. He buys the Red Sox because he wants to win. Winning makes money. He wants to make money. So the idea of, like, 
him being cheap is so stupid. He also understands because, like, you know, he hired Bill James. Like, he understands the analytical aspect of it is what's going to keep him sustainably winning because he doesn't want to win, suck, win, suck, win, suck. Like, he wants to win. And even if you put a good product out there, like like Ed has talked about, like, it's not about winning the World Series every year. It's about winning. He doesn't give a shit necessarily. He wants to win the World Series just like all the fans do. But, like, he wants a winning product because a winning product gets asses in the seats. Exactly. Exactly. If you have a winning reputation, if you're winning every year, you're going to have people there. There is nothing as good for a baseball fan as meaningful games at the end of the season. Meaningful September um, and obviously playoff games. That's what brings people in. And you just can't, especially this year, I spent like close to $300 on a, on going to a Sox game this year for the playoffs. I went to that ALCS game. I think it was game four. The one where Schwarber hit the grand slam. Oh, you were there. Game three, game oh, three. Oh, damn. That was a good game. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a regular season game. Oh, Are you kidding no. me? Oh, hell no. Like, but it becomes an event. It was a Monday night and it was like it was a Saturday night there. You know, there were people yeah. at the bars. There were people celebrating afterwards. It was, it was... Yeah, you don't care. You have work. It was amazing. I it was it was such a good experience, and you don't get that if you don't have a winning team. And Absolutely. You charge the prices that you do if you don't have a winning team. I answered your question. I think unfortunately, there's. I don't think there's going to be a total lockout. I think they'll potentially figure things out by opening day. Hopefully again, but I think there might sort of be like a, a scare. Like, we yeah. might, like uh, we're going to get scared. Type it's going to be like in 2020 when they ended up with the 60-game season, but, like, it seemed like for a bit we weren't going to get anything. Yes. I absolutely. think that we might. I think it's going to go into spring training a little bit. And yeah, I agree. It's going to be kind of pissed off about it. It's going to be like signing J.D. Martinez in, like, 2018. It's like, when is it yeah. going to happen? Like, we know it's yeah. going to happen, but, like, w- like when is it going to be resolved type thing? So I, I feel that. Yeah. Everybody has so much to lose from this, especially with baseball, yeah. I think, in the last couple of years, kind of regaining some of its luster. Mm-hmm. I think, like, when you look at the NFL, it's still, like, they haven't surpassed the NFL yet or anything like that, but they're starting to get a little... They're starting to... The World Series was pretty successful. Football's taken a little bit of yes. a hit lately. Yeah, I know. The World Series did really, really well. And they did really well with it being the one that people thought, like, nobody wanted like yeah. Astros and Braves, like uh. no oh, people I still wanted like baseball. Braves were likable. I know, like Freddie Freeman got his championship. Charlie was like looking so cute. <laughs> I love Charlie Freeman. Yes, he such, I never realized how big Freddie Freeman's teeth are until this year. <laughs> it was a big smile. But, like he's like, like they're like the size of like the rest of like that. They're they're like the size of some people's heads. He's just a large man. Well, it's, like, interesting when some people's teeth, like, I have, like, a low gum line, so, like, when I yeah. smile, you can, like, see my gums, but when you get, like, somebody like Freddie Freeman, it's, like, all yeah, teeth, like, I'm, like, all teeth, all teeth. Like, that is wild to me. I was, like, where's your gums? <laughs> like, oh, boy, can he hit, though. Oh, yeah, I love him at Fenway, but it's not happening. It's fine. He's going to be a brave. The people that think he's not going to be, come on. Yeah, come no, on. it doesn't make he sense. He just won the World Series, especially, yeah. like. He's he's a brave for life. Yeah, I want him to be a brave yeah. for life, even though I want him to pepper the monster. 
Yeah, you know? that would be so much fun seeing him just, like, he'd hit 70 doubles if he was playing Fenway yeah. regularly. That's just how his swing is. True, and it it doesn't necessarily make sense, though, because you potentially have a Tristan Costas who could be a Freddie Freeman 2.0. You don't know. Yeah. So it's like if you can find an affordable Freddie Freeman, why do you bring in a Freddie Freeman yeah. so you'll block him? I don't like, quite you know? think, I think that it's hard to say 2.0 for somebody of Freddie Freeman's quality, because I honestly, mm-hmm. I think that Freddie Freeman is a future Hall of Famer. I think that's that those expectations are a little bit too high to put on uh, oh, of Cassis when he's 21 years old. But I do think he could be an all-star, Cassis, for certain. I think he's yeah. a good hitter. I think that he's very smart. I think that he's learned kind of how to hit a bit better as he's developed. Um, yes. I think he's become a lot more selective, which is really important also. Because even if he's had goes through difficult stretches, if he's still drawing walks, he's helping. he's still helping the team. Oh, absolutely. So it's like sort of like it comes down to the idea of like, do you do you pay Freddie Freeman all this money to, you know, then block Tristan Casas? Like Freddie Freeman is also like 32 years old. So like it's it's not yeah. as if like he's young. Yeah, you know? he, gets, he still he plays every day. But like, you know, as yeah. he gets older, that might I'm not even saying like at like next year or the year after. But, you know, when he's like 36 or something like that, he's going to need a little more reps. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like how long can he play? first base but uh i'd be interested to see what the contract terms are like years wise with him being like 32 like he's not gonna get like an eight to a 10 year deal obviously like yeah yeah, like correa is like oh my i can't even believe that like they the astros were like we'll give you five years at 32 per i'm like if you're willing to pay him 32 per per, why are you starting he's 27 like he won't be 28 until like next october like what are you doing like i just kind of have have an irrational hatred of Carlos Correa. So I know people I'm, people do. I I take if the Red Sox signed him, I would I would I would be very excited though because I I I understand like he is injury prone, but I'm I'm really hoping that he sort of passed that point. You know, right? He's an objectively good player. That's the that's the thing. He's an objectively very good player who could win an MVP or a batting title mm-hmm. or what have you. I just like I find it hard to root for him. That being said, if he comes to my team, that I oh of course I would find a way to enjoy him. You know, it's as I think I feel like I have for most people. I wasn't that excited about JD Martinez coming here, but you know he's done a very good job. Garrett Richards wasn't that thrilled about that signing, but you know when he was doing well, he was doing well. You know, it's hard. You don't. I don't root against for guys, against guys. Let me put it that way. Yeah, no, but I think like you at least have that like mentality. It's like, oh, you might not be a fan, but like when he comes here, I'm gonna root for. I'm gonna root the shit out of him. Versus like some fans are like, I could never. I'm like, dude, get over yourself. Yeah, like, you, over you, yourself. you you'd find a way. He's winning. He's hitting walk off home runs from you. You'll find a yeah, way. Yeah, and he's like touching. You're gonna like him when he's touching the watch for your team. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, that Gold Glove winners are announced tonight. Oh, all right. I love uh, how I CK Renfro just didn't get nominated. It would be funny. What was that? I think if Hunter Renfro oh. won one, because people hate his defense so much, I think it would be really funny. It's the arm, man. It's the arm. Or just CK not. The arm is insane. That's like some Dewey Evans shit like going on. My mom would be like, I haven't seen like whether or not he's great at defense. My mom's like, I don't think I've seen an arm in right field like since Dewey. Like just yeah. being like, boom, you're out. Like Do you remember like um I don't know if I'm dating myself. Do you remember the original Raul Mondesi? No. So he, I may he was not like, have been into like, baseball at that point. He was like with the Jays. His kid is the shortstop for the uh, uh 
uh, when healthy, he's the shortstop for the Royals. At, um, oh, okay, so it's his dad? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. He had an arm like Brandon Froze. He was the last guy I remember with, like, an absolute rocket arm, though. Insane. Like, Kike's arm low-key is great. It like... is. Mookie's arm is great. But yeah. I think Redfield's arm is better than Mookie's. I think Mookie yes. might be a little more accurate, but he doesn't hit, like, 100 miles an hour yeah. or whatever the hell. Mookie was just the, – the thing with Mookie is that Mookie Betts was, like, the perfect – if you were to create a baseball player, you would want to create that talent where it's, like, yeah. hits for power, he hits for average, he gets on base, it's doubles, he has speed, he has defense. Like, it's the perfect – that's why his wins above replacement is just yeah. better than other people's. Like, Mookie, you know? Betts, Mookie Betts is the Willie Mays to uh, Mike Trout's Mickey Mantle. That's yeah. the best way I can describe Betts. Yeah, and if Mike Trout didn't exist, Mookie Betts is probably unequivocally the best player in baseball. But I'm sorry, oh, yeah. Mike Trout exists. Yeah. You yeah. know, you know, so that's the thing. And, you know, you, you've hit, like, I think 2020 is going to, 2022 is going to be interesting for both of them because like Mike Trout obviously got hurt. Like, you know, that's a big thing. Like Trout's, Trout's been hurt. Like Betts for the most part, knock on wood for Betts. Like he's been healthy. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's so, a little fucked up this year, but yeah. And yeah. I think that's why he didn't really play. I don't think you're ever, I don't think the Dodgers, the Dodgers are paying the premium money to not get what the Red Sox got. So that's why a part of me is, like, not upset about that trade. Like, we got the best yeah. season on Mookie Betts. If he has anything close to, 20, like, 2018, holy shit. I don't think that's ever happening again. So you can go and pay him $365 million over 12 years. I'm fine with that because that really does give the Red Sox more roster flexibility, you know? And it comes down to, like, oh, you don't want to pay your players? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm fine with money. I don't want to pay a 40-year-old Mookie Betts a bunch of money that then, like, puts a, a strain on the rest of your roster. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, as a fan, I'm okay with it. It's not my money, but it messes yeah. up the rest of the roster construction. Yeah. So it's like... Ugh. And the Red Sox got two games within the World Series without Mookie Betts, so but, I think they could potentially win a World Series without Mookie Betts. So, you know, that's how I look at it. 